Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, where we have folks of all different walks of life share any trials and tribulations. Through the sacred art of conversation and storytelling, we seek to open minds, shed light, and make our modern world feel a little less lonely, realizing that we are all connected, one human experience at a time. I'm your host, Aisha Billy. I'd like to welcome you to the show and thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I feel like I have so many announcements. My brain is all over the place right now. A few things. An EP that I am on, The Beauty of Misery, is out now. I was sitting a couple months ago, I was sitting in on a studio session with uh, two of my pals who rap. One's name is Dice. The other one is Profit. Um, you can find him, Dice is D1C3, that's his handle, um, and Profits is Profit NYC. I was just sitting in on a studio session, and they were working on the hook in particular, as well as like their verses, and Dice was kind of just like, yo, you want to hop in the booth and like sing the hook? And I was like, you know what, fuck it, let's do it. And now I'm a part of the song, um, I'm a part of Falling, it's called. I'm going to attach two clips um, from two other songs on the EP that I really, really like. But it's called, the EP is called The Beauty of Misery by Dice, D1C3, and Prophet, Prophet NYC. Featuring Aisha Billy. Oh my God. Um, additionally, I just want to say a rest in peace to DMX. I just want to honor all of his influence that he has had on hip hop culture and uh, what I particularly admire about him is that he was very giving to his fans and he was very giving with his finances overall. And I think that a lot of that comes from a lot of the trauma that he experienced growing up being in foster care. And I really appreciate him kind of introducing, like allowing f folks to talk about their emotions um, within hip hop. And anyway, rest in power to DMX. Additionally, an announcement, I am probably going to be changing the name of this podcast. I think I'm going to change it to something like Chatting with Aisha. I don't, I don't really know right now, but it's in the works. Um, I kind of want this show to not just be like perceived as like TED Talks and stuff like that. I want people to know that I am a very chill type of person that you could just kick it and talk with and chat with. And so there are going to be some changes coming. This week, we have... A very fucking talented human on the show, Craig Washington. I love Craig. Uh, we would dance together a lot in New York City. We would train together a lot. We did work study together. And he's a professional dancer. And in this episode, we talk a lot about not just dance, but we talk about the industry. We talk about money. We talk about how we should be putting money away and um, kind of more like the practicality of this industry. I talk about how I supported myself bartending and in the restaurant industry, and he talks about how the restaurant industry is not for him. So he leveraged his other skills. He taught dance. He te teaches. Um, so anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. Without further ado, we're going to cut into the episode. I do want to play a couple clips, however, from The Beauty of Misery. So getting into our episode, enjoy two songs, two little snippets from The Beauty of Misery, by Dice, Prophet NYC, featuring me, yours truly, out now on all streaming platforms. 
Yo, I said it straight, you got no skill to debate Cause you could times one and nine and you will still get eight I'm at your throat, point them out and I'ma rain bombs there Cause I'll explode at any moment like a GameStop share They ain't expected I'll be anything, no care That I popped and you're the law when the capital got stormed Nowhere, Vesuvius, you'll in that Pompeii ash I'm trying to buy your bodies taller than Chris Conway plaques I broke my back for employment, used to rap for enjoyment Put my music on the map and you'll come back that was Dice's verse from Mask On, and here is Prophet's verse from another song. This one's called Fallen. The psycho feels like a revival. Trust me, for years I was stuck in denial. I walk through the rain, I'm turning the page. It's going insane, heart full of rage. Switch the flow up, find composure. All I needed was to find some closure. Had good times, those days are over. Time to rise up is when you're sinking lower. Took control of my brain, grab control of the pain. Every day felt the same, and I needed a change. Does anybody hear when I'm calling? Stuck in the darkness, I'm crawling. It's a good writing, it's good production value, it's talent. The Beauty of Misery EP is out now on all streaming platforms. Be sure to check it out. Without further ado, let's get on into the episode with Craig Washington. Welcome, welcome to the show, Craig. I'm so happy to have you here. You're so incredibly talented. You're someone who I had the blessing of, you know, taking class with next to watching you um, and just fucking being able to witness your career so i'm just so happy to have you on the show welcome thank you for having me i love you so much and i'm glad to be interviewed by such an incredible woman thank you thank you so much um so let's cut into it man dance you're a dancer um can you take us through your dance career where you're at now where you feel like you came up from Okay, so um, my name is Craig. <laughs> um, I'm from Harlem. I am a professional dancer slash instructor. I c- guess I can say I really started my well training heavily after college. I did some dancing in college. Um, I was a part of a hip hop, a competing hip hop team, and we did a lot of competitions. We did a a couple of like dance intensives like monsters the pulse before it was like as big of a deal as it is right now um i started slowly dancing and realizing that it was a bigger passion than i thought it was in college and then once i graduated i said i wanted to take it more professionally so i started getting into like training programs like broadway dance center alvin ailey I was mm-hmm. I was dancing on another competing hip hop team in that was um, in Harlem in Brooklyn and yeah I just continued that and got training with Luam Rock the Industry yes started shout training out. <laughs> shout out to Luam yes and <laughs> training heavily under Candice Brown because I she was like my who I wanted to dance like I wanted to like be like I wanted to like I wanted to be her in a way dance wise just because I thought she was so amazing so I started training heavily under her and I was like I couldn't afford to pay no at the time when it was like 18 to 20 dollars 
Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford to pay that every week and be in, in class as consistently that that I was. And so I did work study and I was working a part time job. And I guess now it's history. I just kept training and doing what I wanted to do. And now I'm here and I'm teaching in Harlem. I'm also teaching with another company, New Beginnings, that's in New Rochelle. I teach in Jersey as well. And for another company, um, um, I believe Broadway Bound Kids. And I teach Mm. kids for the most part and Mm -hmm. dance professionally as well. Yeah. I have a question for you. When, what did you go to school for? I I didn't, I'm just curious. I actually went to school for music. I have a, um, I have a degree in contemporary music studies and I went to high school, Talent Unlimited High School. Shout out to TU in in (laughs) New York um, on like, it was right across from Hunter College um, on like 68th Street. And Mm -hmm. I went there for vocal. So Mm. I went to to school for vocal and I started like dancing a little bit in high school. And I I was actually overweight in high school. So I wanted to be the big boy that went off, but that wasn't in my destiny because the weight literally fell off. And uh, fuck you. the weight literally <laughs> was like, no, you're, you're dancing, you're doing a lot. So it's going to fall off. And it fell off. And <laughs> from there, I just went into college and I was this completely new person. I came out. I gained more confidence in myself as an artist and I was dueling being a dancer and being a part of a music program as well. Wow. It's so funny because, so the way Craig and I know each other is I also was a part of the dance, uh, the work study program at Broadway Dance Center. So when Craig says that, you know, a class is 18 to $20, it's not it's 18 to 20. No, 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 no. no. no, no. <laughs> when you're pursuing professionally, you are taking, everyone's different. Mm-hmm. When I was like, when I was punching it till it hurt, I was taking five classes a week. So five times 20, that's a hundred, hundred times four, that's 400 a month. Like y'all see how mm-hmm. it really, really adds up. What work study is, is an opportunity to basically work for the studio and get discounted classes. Um, Craig and I, we were cleaning toilets, bitch. Yeah, literally. We were cleaning toilets. And showers and dirty showers and dust bunnies in the studios. Like, ugh. Late at night. And I have to say that that work-study crew, I've been on work-study for like two and a half years and like, I was on and then I like went away to Thailand for a couple months. I dropped it. I came back and I will say that that crew that we had with like you, me, Stefan, Angela, like everybody who was in that crew, like was, it was such a special Wednesday night crew. Yeah, it was. It was divine because we were all for the most part under on the umbrella of commercial hip hop for the yes. most part. Mm-hmm. So we had got to like bounce ideas off each other and kind of like sip on some tea. What did you think about this? What did you think about that? What program are you doing? And on. And the reason I feel like our group was so divine, Craig, was because I, like I said, I've been on it for a while. And a lot of the crews that I had was like, half was like 
very into theater and then they would like click off and then like there would be like one other hip hop person with me and like we would either click off or like it was awkward like we yeah. just had a family that Wednesday night I agree and I I'm, I love it and I missed it too I miss it very very much um so do you say that you're pursuing like commercial hip hop or do you see yourself more as an underground like where do you fall under with your professional pursuit um, professionally, um, I see myself, yes, as a commercial dancer. I mean, I've been dabbling in other stuff too. Like I dance a part of, um, a company called Le Ballet Afrique, mm. which does, which is under the direction of Omari Orichi. And Bless him. yeah, amazing human. Um, so incredible. He does like Vogue, West African, Afrobeat, and he created a company where he blends it all together. And I've been, he literally, we worked together. We actually taught together at one of my jobs. And he just was like, okay, Craig, I'm creating a company. You're a part of it. And I was like, excuse me? I'm like, I, I, I do not want to be, I'm like, I already have like a full dance training load as it is. I'm taking these classes every single week. How can I be a part of a company? Stupid. Not even thinking that the, about the, the, the long-term effects of dancing in his company. And yeah, so I see, I really see myself as a commercial hip hop dancer that, dabbles in multiple things definitely definitely um you dance at the guggenheim right yes yes we so um cool. with um a part of omari's company um le ballet freak we danced we did an apap show that was supposed to be a preview to our headlining show march 29th in third year <laughs> <laughs> All right, Peter, that's shit. Right before <laughs> the pandemics um happened, that was when our premiere date was supposed to be. And it had already built a lot of buzz and we sold almost we almost had a sold out show for that. Wow. And yeah, and once the pandemic hit, they said, Okay, the show is canceled. We're so sorry. And I was like, Oh, I just lost a couple of thousand dollars that Damn. <laughs> was gonna Can happen. I ask you, what did it feel like when that show got canceled? It honestly, well, for me, at the mo moment that I was in, I was literally just moving into my own apartment. So I was already planning and for what I was going to spend my money on. I was like, all right, I'm going to use my credit card for this and I'm going to put the money back with that money that I make. I'm going to put it back to that. I'm like, okay, everything is going smoothly. When that happened, all I could think about was money. I was just like, <sighs> oh my God. Yeah. I was like, money, what am I going to do? I just got this apartment. How am I going to keep it up if I can't pay my bills? And this was like a big performance that was going to give me a cute amount of money absolutely absolutely no that I feel like is a so part of the business is like the fleeting how fleeting it can be and yes. that doesn't just go for hip-hop I have a friend who's dating someone who he's been a Broadway star since he was a kid Mm -hmm. He was all he's been he's he's one of those he's blessed he is in his 30s now and she was just like 
you know, living with him. She studied acting in her undergrad. And I'm not saying Broadway was like her pursuit per se, but she is more of a theater and then like film TV actor. And she was like, I can't believe how fleeting Broadway is. Everything is so fleeting. Like you're in a show and then you're just not. Or one time I did a music video and I feel like you can relate to this. I did a fucking music video. And when we got there, we had to cut all of the choreography that we rehearsed and re-choreograph on the spot. And I just was like, what? Yeah. Like I was younger and I just, I wasn't experienced. And it's like the industry is very fleeting. Very completely. Like, and you just have to, if you're, once you're in it, you just have to be like, okay, I guess like you learn, you go into rehearsals and you learn a bunch of content. And then out of nowhere, they're like, okay, well, all of that content that you learned, only about three seconds of it is going to be in the performance or in the yep. video. I remember like Luam would mm-hmm. always, not always, I don't want to say that. I am like, was like a cult follower for Luam. She just, yeah. she hit the spot for me. She's very professional. I like her ear. Mm-hmm. Um, when she would teach, you know, advanced beginner, it was advanced beginner. When she would yeah. teach intermediate, it was intermediate. intermediate. And I remember she called me up for film and then she changed the choreography last minute and before she did, because she didn't like the way it was reading on the camera. Mm-hmm. So before she did, she goes, all right, y'all. So we're going to act like professionals. And when you're professionally on set, things get changed mm-hmm. and I'm going to change. I'm going to change it. Yep. And I remember being like, I crumbled after that change because I wasn't used to it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think in that group, Stanley M- Munez was yeah. in it. And I remember Stanley's obviously like a goddamn beast. He moved to LA, mm-hmm. like shout out. Like yeah. I fucking love that guy. I love Stanley. He, he's a, he was so sweet to me. With He just gave me so much good advice. He would always talk to me like he was so cool. And I remember Stanley took that change and yeah. he just adapted. Mm-hmm. And and for me, I was just like newer in my journey, in my career. And I couldn't adapt as quickly. And she took me out. And it's just so wild that like half of the the business is literally being a chameleon and yeah. molding. Mm-hmm. And then not, and not getting in your head. And like, oh my God. Not getting in your head when it happens. It's like basically you just have you have to go and you can't commit to. Oh my god, this is happening! I can't believe this is happening because mm-hmm. you, will you will crumble. Because it's oh not my about god. dance. It's not about dance at all. It's about who you are mentally and where you like, are in your headspace. Exactly. Can we fucking talk about that for a second? Have you? Like, I feel like. I met you at a time where you were more, more like had your thick skin, but yes. were you ever at a point where you would crumble in yes. class? Cause yes. I want to hear all yes. about that. Yes, 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 yes. And it was for the first couple of years of me training at BDC. Like I've always been at the level, well, not completely. I've always been at a pre- pretty decent level dance wise. Like, Mm-hmm. I knew I could come in and I understood movement. What it was, was me getting quicker and retaining information. And that was m- what my thing was. But movement quality, I 
you you couldn't tell me nothing. I knew that, but it would get to the point where I would like I literally got called out in Candace's class my second time taking her class. Like mm. I went and I took her class and it was my second time and I was like, "Oh, I'm not going down. I'm getting this choreography." I legit got it. She called me out in a group and I went down. Like, and I can tell you what went through my mind when it happened. I, she called me out. I was like, oh shit, she called me out. She wants me to, to do it. I have to show, I have to show, oh my God, I have to show it. I have to do it like how I've been doing it. Oh, where's the steps? What happened to the steps? Where, where did, I can't remember. Oh, the music starting. What am I going to do? I get through the first eight, start going down from there. And that continued on for about two and a half years. Like I legit, it was that I had kinda, it was more than imposter syndrome. I just was like, I was scared. I was scared of everything. I was just like, oh my God, people are starting to look at me now. Like, yes, these people are noticing me and this is what I wanted. I wanted people to notice me, but then the moment that they noticed me, I started crumbling and I couldn't, I couldn't shake it legit for about two years. Y'all hear that? Two fucking years. Yeah. Like when you see a dancer get up there and kill it, I remember like, I used to think naturally that like no one else, you can hear me, right? Yeah, I can hear you clearly. Okay. I used to think that no one else um, struggled like not struggled like me, but okay. Few things. New York has a dance, has ego. New York has ego. Mm -hmm. And that certain studios are not as kind. Yeah. And I feel like BDC is you make your friends. And once you make your friends, like you feel more supported, you, you Mm -hmm. get in tune with the kindness, but BDC off the get is intimidating. And I don't care what anyone says. I've heard Multiple people say it on and on. It's an intimidating ass studio. It's a massive studio. There are people who c- come there all the way from Korea, from Thailand, like mm-hmm. just to take class. So the stakes do feel high. But anyway, I would see dancers retain, retain, retain. And I would just get in my head so much about that in the beginning. And I was like, would be so nasty to myself. You don't have what it takes. You're not going to yeah. cut it. Like all this shit. You know what I mean? And I kept training. I kept training. I kept training. And then like two to three years into consistent training, I got a lot better at it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I really appreciate you sharing that because especially now with Instagram and YouTube, like the newer generation coming up. And this isn't me trashing Instagram and YouTube. I'm thankful for it. Mm-hmm. But what what happened, I think, is that maybe we were a little bit irresponsible where we didn't drill into the younger minds. Hey, they look great on camera, but you know what? There's a hours and hours and hours of training yeah. before that that you didn't see, honey. Because it's so, the instant gratification. People, yeah. they just see they see the video of the of the the end result they don't see the years of training they don't see the years of you failing the years of you fucking up the years of you getting on that floor and messing up they don't see that they see the video that is like the the end product like this is your reward they don't see 
the struggle at all. So they think that, oh, well, I'm just going to get here and I'm going to put out this video and it's going to be amazing and I'm going to get the same type of attention and buzz. And like, it's like, no, like I wish I kind of came up in the era where (laughs) we didn't have social media that heavy, but I was like, one of the new people that were like going into like the Instagram era and like, I kind of wish I came up in the era where you didn't see some of my fuck ups. Cause like now you, I mean, there's some parts where you can go on certain people's Instagrams that people that don't delete their content, you can go and you can scroll and you can see Craig looking like trash. And I just wish I came up in the era where Instagram didn't exist and YouTube didn't exist. Like, I wish I was like more in that Peanut and Darrell Bullock and like Danielle Polanco era because I'm pretty sure they had time to look crazy and and not be on camera. Definitely. And for context, they are dancers who are what, Craig, in their mid 30s? Yeah, literally in their mid 30s. Right, in their mid 30s. And it's like, they did, and another person we can mention is um, fuck, ja ja ja, Jante. Jante, yep. Jante, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's another mm-hmm. one, you know. And it's like, I just think that it needs to be talked about the toll that those online platforms had yeah. on the industry. Um. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, like it. It just it really fucking did, and. It took me, like you said, years to like get the fuck up out of my head, get my head Mm -hmm. out of my asshole. Would you spiral in class when you would fuck up? Like, would you feel like you didn't have what it takes to cut it or whatever? It, um, I, I don't think that for me, it was me thinking that I didn't have it, what it took. I just thought that, oh shit, I would be disappointed in myself kind of I would just be like shit like you knew it like you know what you're doing like get out of your head like I'm more of like that no not necessarily what's wrong with you but more of like get out of these feelings get out of this headspace click into something different because you have it like I always for me even when I would fuck up I knew I had it it's just I was like oh somebody like you doesn't get chances you don't get enough chances to show yourself going down in flames like for me i'm like i'm i'm black i'm not ethnically ambiguous i look like Mm -hmm. a black man and i also um and also i'm shorter so for me i'm not the person that will get a bunch of chances at an audition or in a room dancing in front of people like once you for me if i when i have the chance i have to come through and pull up in a way that'll make people be like, you sh- you shocked me. Like, I didn't think somebody that is your height would be able to dance with people that are taller than you. Mm. So for me, it was more of like, you know that like you're at the level, you need to actually pull up and stop fucking up. Like I had to be like the kind of the strict parent to myself. Oh, I love that. You know, I actually got, I was under the impression of that you were the strict parent to yourself. Cause I remember I, we were talking a while ago and, you know, in work study, you, we basically, we all just chat the whole time. But mm-hmm. I remember one thing that you said, you 
I think I was asking you if you were, I was interested in like a very intense dance program, but I would see, but it, and those programs are very expensive and time consuming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would see dancers excel such as yourself who like weren't in, in like a dance intensive for months on end type of program. Yeah. And I just remember you, me being like, how, how do you, what's like your training mentality? Because I didn't want to do those programs I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford not working on mm -hmm. top of that, you know, cause with, when you do those programs, you're very likely not working either. Yeah. I don't have it like that. And you were like, in my mind, like if I only take two classes that week, I need to clock in and train as hard as I can in those two classes. Yeah. I you know? I yeah. And I remember you bringing that up. I remember saying that just because I learned that from Mache. Mache, um, Mache, she was, um, well, she's this incredible um, dancer. She's still working now. Um, she danced for, for almost everybody and worked for almost everybody. And she used to teach on Wednesday nights, when I first started doing work study at BBC, I used to watch outside her heels class. And mm -hmm. she used to teach and she would tell those girls, like, you should, if this is your only class that you're taking, like in the week or in a day or whatever, you should be dying in here. Like you should yeah. be, it, you should be giving your all, you should be fighting like your life depended on it because you yeah. only, you only took this one class. You didn't do anything else this week. So if that's your case, and if this is all that you have right at this moment and you can't do what everybody's doing, you can't take a hundred classes. You can't take even five classes. This one class that you take, you need to be almost at your deathbed by the end of this yeah. class. Definitely. And it's, and that's not her saying like, like punch it till it hurts and injure mm -hmm. yourself. It's her saying you no. need to mentally clock the fuck in. And, and I remember um, Janelle Janestra was saying like, she was like, I see dancers take five classes in a day. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, did you learn right. anything? Like, why don't you just take one or two and just be fucking sweating and like have given it's a fruitful class mm -hmm. you know and I used to struggle with that like that training that compulsive training where I felt like I needed so many classes in a day I remember I finished like I would take Miss V's um popping class every Monday and Candace's class was sometimes after it but I would take a class before Miss V's as well so by the end of Miss V's class I was so drained and I, I was like pretty tight with Miss V. Like we would talk a lot. And at the end of class, I was like, yo, like I'm so tired, but I feel like I should take Candace's class. And she was like, how tired are you? I was like, I'm drained. Like I just took two classes back to back. And she's like, then she's like, but then Candace's class won't be fruitful. And I yeah, was like, it won't. Good point. Good it, fucking point. It definitely won't. And that isn't just to keep you from like saving money in your pocket. Cause I'm like, those things are important too, but realistically you're saving more than you think because you would go to Candace class and she would be probably dropping a bunch of gems and they would go over your head. They would go completely over your head because you're, you're tired. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I want to share, like, I just want to go back and say like, and I feel like you knew this about me, like in the day 
I would go down so heavy in class. Like I just look back and I see how fucked up I would talk to myself. Like mm-hmm. I remember. Like oh yeah, I remember. You told it me it was so bad. And for any dancer listening, it's like I don't even have like a holy grail of advice where I'm like, do this and it goes away. But I just hope to God for any dancer who identifies with that, you show just some fucking compassion for yourself. Because I was not compassionate. You absolutely have to. Yeah. And like you would be very surprised that the dancers that you think are bomb and they don't love themselves. Like I have um, a really good friend who I think the world of. I think they are incredibly talented and they would say things about themselves when they would have a slight misstep or a fuck up or even I would think they look great and they would be like no I I look crazy like this part right here and I'm like at the end of the day when you're training or when you're dancing you have to find something in yourself that you like about yourself to pull you for to put to push you through into speaking better about yourself you have to find it has to be at least one thing about yourself that you can say something good about and then from there you'll find a silver lining always absolutely Absolutely. I completely agree with that because it's like I now understand like when people say your mind is either your greatest asset Mm -hmm. or your greatest enemy yes yes And for so long, like, and I think it's natural that like, maybe we were the enemy, but man, when you transmute, when you transmute that into that pain into power, you just created your strongest fucking ally. Yeah. Um, There through this pandemic, I don't want to get into tea in particular where Mm -hmm. like no names being said, but I have realized and I'm sure you have too in this pandemic a lot of tea has a bubble to the surface yes I feel right <laughs> about a lot of programs Ooh. about a lot of choreographers like holy shit let me let me take a, a sip of my tea. I know me too because <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's it's funny but then it's not funny at the same time because it's sad because you see a bunch of these kingdoms and these castles that came crashing down. You see the people that you thought were one way and you just, you were like, oh my God, they're so amazing. Like you see these people be the Michael Jacksons of the world and then you find out, oh no, but actually this person was doing this and they were doing that. And it's like, or you see like the really disgustingness of how, dancers and artists were treated in programs and you're like wow this is insane that we're here and that all of this is dropping i feel like everybody had time on their hands during this pandemic so people really got into themselves and they got into some of their traumas and i think in a way it was a good thing that happened in the sense that now some of these people are free they feel free from their trauma and the things that they were struggling with but then it went into 
an Instagram culture as well, where people were like, well, since this is trending, let me trend canceling this or canceling that just because. But I think it had a little bit more reward than it had like negatives too. Definitely. Yeah, I think what you said about like certain castles and kingdoms crumbling. Yeah. I just want to say the amount of people who I had on a pedestal who I realized Me too. Ain't fucking shit. Me too. Like it's I have to say something happens when your prophets die. Mm-hmm. If and then no one's heard that that saying before, kill your prophets. You you know I have a background in the fitness industry and yes. naturally there are also you know fitness people who I w- would like fangirl over. And I was in an internship and one of the coaches were like, you need to kill your prophets. And I was like, why? And then I got to meet some of the people on the pedestal within like, you know, the fitness world. And I was like, wow. Some of the ugliest people in the world. Yes. That's the best way to put it is ugly. Just ugly character. Ugly. And I don't think that I did that with dance. I did mm-hmm. it with fitness flawlessly. Yeah. And with dance, I don't think I did that because I had more of an emotional investment mm-hmm. in certain shit that bubbled about sexual harassment or money, you know, yeah. stuff like that. I was like, wow. Oh, no, for me it happened earlier on cuz I would see I I would see shit in classes. I would just be like, "Oh, your your head is like really up under your ass. Like you really you really think that you're hot shit and like your your attitude is poo. Like your your personality is just trash." And it made that made me even feel even better about myself because I'm like even if you feel that you can dance circles around me, I'm a better human than you. Yep. Absolutely. Oh my God. Speaking of, you're bringing me back now, like hard. When the shit popped off with George Floyd. Yes. The amount of dancers that do not understand sociology mm-hmm. and, and justice, like, wow like I never realized like how many people within the community don't understand like basic human justice basic sociology Mm -hmm. do not know what it's like not what it's like to be BIPOC but like what it is like for people who are black indigenous or people of color is what their lives are like like I remember I was like you know, bless a lot of people who were putting their opinions out there. It's everyone is, is entitled to share how they're feeling, but some would say shit. And I would be like, you don't even see how that's problematic because they, live in, their, they live in their own bubble and it's crazy. they live in their own bubble, their own world in their own Instagram world, their own, like, yeah, people, a lot of people, they don't see, they don't see the struggle just because, Either they don't want to see it or ignorance or ignorance too. Ignorance can be bliss for some people as well. They don't want, they legit don't want to see it. And then some people, they just don't have access to it as well. So when this all happened, I could understand certain, no, no, 
I'm lying. I, I couldn't understand. <laughs> Not a, let me. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I get where I I get where you're coming from. You know, like mm-hmm. I love to give benefit of the doubt too. I just but, I think it's exactly what you said. Like for me, a love grew within myself for myself. I was yeah. like, wow, I should like look at how much you care about humanity and like not mm-hmm. humanity but humanitarian work. Yes. You know, you're not just like this one dimensional person. I actually heard a dancer in LA. I forgot her name, but she said she had like a top 10 advice for dancers thing. And I'm not going to lie. I agreed with everything she said. I loved it. One of them was you don't have to spend every waking moment at the studio. Go do stuff other than dance. Go live your life outside of dance. It doesn't have to be just this. And, Mm -hmm. um, Luam actually said that to us when she at her rock the industry baby shower that she had with us. She actually said that um, our lives shouldn't be just dance because then when you come to it at a, at a certain point you're gonna get tired of it and you're yep. gonna want and you're gonna wonder why you're there. But if you have things outside of that, it'll make that part of your life even more enjoyable. You have to pull away from it sometimes. And some people don't don't know that dance is all they have. And then at a certain point, they can't say that they really love it anymore because they're doing it and not taking a step back away from it. Definitely. Definitely. And I feel like with me, like I was so obsessive. Like I noticed that I struggle with like obsessive thinking, obsessive planning. We all do. We're not normal dancers, artists. (laughs) We're not fucking normal. I'm so glad. Also, I want to say that you brought brought up Luam Mm -hmm. because this is why I personally feel so connected to her. Her parent, from my understanding of interviews that I watched with her, her parents aren't from the States and my parents my parents aren't from the States either. And she, the way that she described her upbringing was that they really cared about school. They educated her or, you know, she went to college and she wanted, I don't know if she wanted, but her aspirations were to go to medical school after her undergrad. She didn't, she, from my understanding, she didn't dance a ton in her undergrad. I think there was an African dance group but when I remember when I watched the interviews, she's this is what I remember. I might be wrong. She said she wasn't a part of the dance crew and she would like hear them training and the drums and it would pain her because she wasn't a part of it. Mm-hmm. And then when she graduated, she moved to New York and started working in like corporate America. And on the side, she was teaching um like dance fitness at a New York sports club Mm -hmm. and crazy story. But like she actually got discovered there by an MTV producer to fly her out to LA and put her in a dance video. That doesn't happen often. That's insane. But nonetheless, I feel very connected to her because she had the pressure of like not pursuing her art and like her parents wanting her to go to medical school and her not doing that and stuff like that. And I admire her because she is her professionality fucking shines. Yeah. She's oh, no, so that's professional. A, that is that is a businesswoman. That is yes. a and I admire her but for it. She is definitely a businesswoman. She's a businesswoman. She's so grounded. You know, like I feel like there's just such a grounding to her and like 
I don't, I don't know what it is, but I feel very like, especially after all the tea that came to the surface within the dance community, I feel very blessed to have, to have her in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to take a little pivot. Can you please talk to me about how you make finances work as a dancer? It is not cheap to pursue where we are not rolling in money. So how do you make it work? For me, um, it's really about budgeting. I, I start and I look at, okay, what do I have? What do I have coming in? How can I spend this way? How can I save? Like, how can I put money away if I'm not, especially if I don't have like a bunch of jobs at my pull, like right in front of me. If I look at, okay, I have my one teaching job that's very consistent. Like that one isn't going anywhere, even if I wanted it to my, they would hit me up and be like, um, Craig, stop playing. (laughs) So then I, I start with that. And then from there, I just, I work on a budget. Like, I feel like as dancers, we all should be budgeting. We should be paying ourselves first. Something else that I learned from Luam and doing Rock the Industry, we should be paying ourselves first, which means that we should be taking money and putting it away. So like, once you get paid a certain amount of money, you have, you think, okay, I need to, I need to buy food. I need to pay bills. But even if it's like, $50, $20, there needs to be something from that that you are putting away and you're paying yourself first. Absolutely. 100%. And once you do that, then from there, you can factor in, okay, my my livelihood, how am I going to pay rent? How am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to eat? How am I not going to starve? So I, but I think budgeting is very important, especially with with us being dancers, money isn't necessarily guaranteed. And then Mm -hmm. you should, and then you should also have multiple forms of income. What are you good at? So for me, I'm like, yes, I'm a dancer. I'm a very good dancer, but me dancing, if I was just dancing, I would be broke. Like I wouldn't have anything. So I'm also good at teaching. I'm also good at at mentor mentorship when it comes to talking to kids and stuff like that. I've been teaching kids for a very long time. So I have an understanding of who they are at put at particular ages. And I know that I can motivate and I can foster learning into a child. So that's something that I knew that I needed to get into as well. I needed to be teaching at studios and I needed to do a bunch of other things. I also have a passion for mindfulness and fitness. So that's something that I'm working on right now. I'm also vegan. So a couple of other projects that I'm working on, but as a dancer, you should have multiple forms of income. You should be paying yourself first and you should be setting a budget and really not going over that budget. Definitely. So your main forms of income are teaching? Yes. Okay. And there are other folks who will, are like another very common one is the restaurant industry. Mm -hmm. A lot, I feel like there's a lot of bartenders, a lot of servers, like, you know. Those are jobs I'm, I I just couldn't, (laughs) it have, for me, it has to be in, 
like mentorship and kid and working with kids and doing that type of social work, that type of giving yeah. back. Like I have a, a, a respect for people that work in, in the restaurant industry, because that is a different type of work that I feel like I could not do. I wouldn't be able to survive. It's also so much on your feet. Yeah. Cause like I was working, you know, in a nightclub Friday night, Saturday night, and then just bartending, like bartending Friday night, Saturday night. And then like, on a Sunday for like, you know, the brunches or whatever the fuck. And it is so much on your feet. Like to dance on top of that is like definitely tough. So I think it's so cool to hear. And a lot of dancers do teach. So I think teaching is a great way. Budgeting is a great thing to do. Do you overly stress about the money or do you feel like you don't anymore? Um, I've I've learned to kind of like be like okay you're gonna be good you're you're gonna be I because I used to stress I used to stress heavily I'm like I'm not making enough um, at a certain point I was um, working in a high school and I made up enough money to put like a lot in my savings account and I was like I was chilling and then the next year. I ran through all of that money with like my life and like my bills. And I was just like, oh my God, my security is missing. What am I going to do? But then I had to like tell myself, Craig, you aren't a person that doesn't work hard. Like it's, it's all going to come back to you. Like that, all that money that you lost is going to come back tenfold. So I think me having faith, but also doing the work, because I can lie to you to say that I can't lie to you and be like, I just woke up and was like, oh, I have $10 in my account. It's going to be all good. I, You have to do the work as well. But I think my mindset was just like, you're going to be good. Do the work and you'll get it back. Yeah, definitely. And I know, like, do you identify as coming from a um, low-income background? Definitely. Definitely. My um, Growing up, we didn't have money. My mother, she didn't have that much. She was taking care of um, her three kids at the time and she didn't have enough. So I watched her struggle with push forward. Like I, we never went with um, without food. We never, mm-hmm. like the lights might've been off once or twice if I can remember growing up. But mm-hmm. besides that, I never saw my mother put that on us. Like we never, I never knew the things that she was struggling with until I became an adult and was like, Oh, this was happening while we were kids. But I wouldn't have known because I had clothes on my back. I had, I would always have the latest styles that the kids were rocking. And we, we never went without food. We never went without food and water or shelter at all. My mother, she always took care of us, but we we didn't have money. We didn't have money at all. God bless her. Cause yeah. it's that's not easy at all. And it's like I also identify as low income background and also um having first generation, you know, American parents or technically I guess I'm the first generation they immigrated here, but it is that definitely for me like took a toll on my relationship with money. And I feel like that did in the beginning that affect mm-hmm. my dance career because I was just so stressed out about money. I felt like I just 
had this obsession of like, am I investing my money into this endless pit that is never going to like get me anything back? Like just that internalized Mm -hmm. capitalism, like I couldn't see the prize where really it's like, this is a craft that kills me not to express. It kills my soul not to express. Therefore, investing in it is worth it. That being said, you need to fucking budget. Yeah, you need you need to budget for, for sure, and then you need to use your different skills. Like you should anything that you're great at, you should not just be doing it for free. There needs you need to be learning. Like there's certain people, like for example, James Alonzo. He was a photographer as well. Like he shot for a lot of different people. That was another way that he made money outside of being a dancer and being an instructor. Like you have to use your different skill sets to get you to where you want to be. Like, yes, investing in dance is great and it has great gain in it, but also you need to be smart with how you're moving around. Definitely. Definitely. I hope the listeners can take away from that because that is gold. You know, I have a personal training background and I'll always have like a client or two like training privately, even if I don't do it full time anymore. Mm-hmm. I also have shaped myself into a high, I think a highly skilled bartender. And that's something else that I can, you know, get money from or, you know, things along those lines. Um, Man, it is so wild. I just feel like this industry, do you see yourself in it for a long time? Or do you think you'll reach a point where you will transition out? Um, I think for me, I will always be in this industry doing some something, something different. Like it may it's definitely I'm definitely not gonna be a dancer for <laughs> for like I feel like for me. I probably have enough. Well, let me not put a cap on that because I don't know. But I feel like dancing wise, and from there, I might trans. I'm definitely going to transition into a more creative direction. Definitely acting. I'm also a singer, so I should be still using that to be on. I still have dreams of Broadway, and okay. yeah. And using my skill set in that, but I see going from being the artist to being the creative director, to being mm-hmm. the director, to being like a de- the Debbie Allen of where I am. Like still creating, that. teaching, of course, giving the the skills that I learned and giving them back. Because at the end of the day, you learned and you took all this information the the way that makes your life fulfilled is paying it forward absolutely fuck yeah oh god i love that yeah definitely um do you i wanted to i want to also ask you do you have any advice for anyone who is struggling with their dance journey um i would say that especially if you when you're in it and you feel like giving up, I think what you need to do is assess, do you love it? Mm-hmm. And if you realize and you can say, yes, I do love it, then you have to realize that everybody has the same feeling. We're all in this together. We all have the same feelings that you do, do at a certain time period. It didn't matter. But if you love it, that will legit 
push you through. If it's something that is a passion of yours and you wake up and you feel like you have to dance or this is the way that you, you if it speaks to you, I feel like just keep pushing through. That is going to be something that's going to motivate you, your passion for it and your love for it. Definitely. Absolutely. And if you feel like there isn't like the right niche for you, you can create your own yeah. shit. What? Create your own, build that freaking door. I remember when I first started training here in New York and I was like, everybody would always say, oh my God, Craig, you're so good. You're so great. But I wasn't used for shit. People weren't putting me in anything. I just, I wasn't the right, I guess I, I didn't have the right look or I wasn't the right people at the moment. There were other people that had put in more work than me or at the time and it was their time to shine. That was their moment. So I say, you know what? I'm going to create my own choreo. I'm going to create my own videos and I'm going to put out my own content just because people weren't using me for shit. I was like, that don't mean that I'm just going to sit here and wait for somebody to put me on. You got to put yourself on in a way. Definitely. Absolutely. Do you feel like you're in a position now? I know the pandemic's taken its toll, but do you feel like you were in a position where you were getting put on? Yes. Um, I feel like now, and it's crazy that, I mean, I'm lucky to have people that love me and appreciate me, bring me opportunities, but I kind of, in a way I worked to get those. I, I invested years in networking the right people and having certain connects to get me to a certain place to where people, certain people that I look up to are hitting me up like, Craig, can you come in and session this with me? Or um, I'm working on this piece of choreo. Can you come in and can I put it on you because I'm going to use it for this? Or here, I have this job for you. You've been behind me for all these years. Let me put some money back in your pocket. Yeah. So it takes I feel time. like, yeah, it takes a, a lot of time. Like, Massive. It, it, like it takes years. It like it did not happen right away at all yeah. and it didn't matter how good I was or if I was consistent in somebody's classes for a year that didn't mean nothing because it comes and goes people come they these people they see other dancers come right in and take 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 and then once they get a little piece they go away they what they wanted to see in me, well, what every artist or choreographer or teacher want to see is they want to see consistency in their students. And yeah. then when they see that, you'll get a reward for it. Yeah. What gig are you most proud of that you have done? Oh, my God. Um, I, well, today, this day, the Guggenheim, I was just like, are you kidding? I'm like, are you kidding me? The Guggenheim and... Now, I'm like Rihanna just put on her put on a show the week before, and then the next week I had my APAP show, and I was gearing up to put on a big show at the Guggenheim. Like that was one of the biggest things. And then also with the climate of what we're going through right now, um, I loved being part of James Alonzo's brand new day video visual that he put out that got like a million views on facebook and like half a million on instagram like that felt good because it made people feel good and like it took us back to being black in america and putting out work that just 
it uplifted us even for a moment. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. God, I'm so happy for you with that. And speaking of the pandemic, how the fuck are you doing dance-wise with the pandemic? Are you taking class? Are you not? Like, what the hell are you doing? Um, I've, yeah, like I said before, I've lucked out and having, like, connections with, like, James Alonzo or, like, Candace Brown and um, certain friends that are, like, talented that would be like, oh, Craig, can you come in in session? So I haven't necessarily been paying for a bunch of classes per se just because of like the even Keenan Cooks like different people that would hit me up and just be like okay I've worked with you before I know how you work come in can I put those are my training opportunities when I get to be in sessions with friends but I've also been able to, when the pandemic first started, I was like everybody else taking the classes on Instagram, those live classes. And every now and then, if something moves me, I'll get up, I'll prop my phone up and I'll learn something from video just to challenge those parts of my brain as well. Yeah. So yeah, I've I've been dancing. I've definitely been dancing during the pandemic, but also doing yoga, a lot of like stuff for my body to keep these knees healthy <laughs> and like the stallion. That shit is real. Yeah, it is. Let me real. tell you, like I do you relate to this? Because I feel like after twenty five, my shit's yes. changed. Yes, and that's I can literally tell you that it was after twenty five. Like it was after, it was literally after 25. That's when I started feeling like these weird pains in my knees, but it's literally, everything is connected. Like everything in your body is connected because I then realized that my knee issues weren't because of my knees. It was because of tight muscles. So like my hamstrings, my my quads, my chins, my, my calves, like I would get these knots and these these muscle these muscle spasms and I would be like what is going on and it would go straight to my knees definitely absolutely no I I had a knee a left knee issue I got an MRI they told me it's chondromalacia and lateral patellar tracking syndrome and funny enough I connected I will tell you babe I connected with another dancer who went to Cortland where I went to school and she told me she had it too. So apparently it's common, more common in females. Chondromalacia is the irritation of the cartilage underneath your kneecap. And it's painful because when that cartilage wears down, there's different stages. I'm only in stage one. Thank God I caught it early. When that cartilage wears down, you have bone on bone rubbing. That is painful. And then lateral patellar tracking syndrome means that your kneecap has a groove that it sits in between your femur and your tibia and fibula. Your femur is your thigh bone yeah. and the tibia, tibula and fibula are the lower leg bones, the calf bones. And there is a groove that your kneecap sits in. However, so I would get a lot of comments on my quads. Ooh, quadzilla, nice quads. Da, 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 da. Guess what? My quads, very jacked, love them, aesthetically pleasing. My quads, quad um my lateral quad so lateral means like towards the outside of the body or the side Mm -hmm. was so tight that it pulled my kneecap out of the group oh wow so i was experiencing and basically when that kneecap is pulled out of the groove that um 
cartilage is exposed and then through wear and tear it starts to get irritated and I noticed I had a pal over and we were sessioning and she had like a twisting knee um move like kind of like you know like like a footwork thing where your knees are going in and out and I was like bro this hurts so fucking bad I thought maybe I had a meniscus tear because because with meniscus tears, it's pivots that are the issue, turns that are the issue. Mm-hmm. So after the MRI, they told me about the chondromalacia and like never was an issue. I have been training forever, not even just as a dancer. You know, I was a competitive powerlifter in my early 20s, like never had an issue with my fucking knees. Yeah. And then yeah. I started going to physical therapy like it doesn't really heal chondromalacia. Basically, what I did was I, I'm lucky. I studied fitness in my undergrad. I know how to program workouts. I started programming myself to strengthen my adductors, which is my inner thighs, to help pull my kneecap back to center, mm. as well as um, taping my kneecap with what's called McConnell tape, which is very, very, very rough tape. And basically, I you put the tape on your kneecap and you <laughs> like drag your kneecap back into center. And then hopefully wow. your kneecap tends to come back to the center of your leg. So, you know, t- after 25 was like a little bit rough, man. Like I, mm-hmm. I will tell you, I don't know where I'm at with dance. Like th- that's loaded. We don't have to get into it, but sometimes like it's such a hustler's industry. Yeah. It's so much hustling and it's like seeing my body like the way it was. I I will always be involved in dance and stuff, but it did make me realize like those people who you see in their late 20s, 30s, mid 30s, 40s, 50s still dancing like my my cap goes off to them because it's the trials and tribulations that you put your body through getting there. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's another thing that to me is very important because I didn't see it. And I was I was legit crashing. I was dancing so much. And when the pandemic happened, that's what why I was grateful for it, because I was like, it legit told me to stop. Yep. And breathe. You need to stop. You need to breathe. You need to rest. You need to really focus on your body and seeing what are the things that are affecting you. And it legit, it got me together. Like I started concentrating on things like yoga and like really getting my body back to where it was supposed to be. And now I can tell you what it is, why um, I'm having, I would have like a knee pain, like at this very moment, like I can be like, okay, I know what it was. I didn't do this in the morning. I'm not doing my stretches. I didn't constant my, this muscle, that muscle, like I can tell you exactly what it is yep. just because now I'm more aware of my body. And to be a dancer, you have to be that way. Like if not your, I'm like, your, shit, your, your legs are going to fall off. Yeah. You have to be in tune with your body. And you, if you want to be in it for the long term, you mm-hmm. have to take care. You absolutely have to take care. Stay on top of your sleep, stay on top of your water, your protein intake. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what your diet style is, you're vegan. You're incredibly healthy. Like there's yeah. all these different modalities and I'm happy to see that for you. Um I think that dance is a very crucial part to being a human. It's mm-hmm. very ritualistic. If you look back on old, you know, like tribal indigenous communities who still exist to this day, by the way, 
mm-hmm. um, dance was such a big part of culture. W- d- does dance hold like a spiritual element for you? Yeah, yeah, dance um, for sure. Like it's it's pulled me through so much, so many struggles in my life. Even even, and I could see it even now during like the pandemic and with me and like breaking up from my significant other at the time from my boyfriend at the time um I danced helped me to get my mind off of things that I was struggling with it helped me to open up a bit more it built confidence it was very much a spiritual connection that I was having it made me realize shit that I didn't want to look upon until after the fact like I'm definitely spiritually connected to dance. Definitely. What that being said, what are your thoughts and your philosophies on the human experience here on this earth? Um, the human experience here on this earth. I think it's very important that us as humans, we do something that feeds our soul, but we also have to give back. And definitely. I think that's when you will find fulfillment in your life is when you give what you've learned, the things that you've gained, that it's it's very selfish to keep the knowledge that you have within you to yourself. I think at the end of the day, us being on this earth, the really the purpose of us being in this life is to give back. I love that and pass the torch and to pass the torch too, because right. I'm like this. It's like this, like American Horror Story with the Supreme. Like you weren't gonna be the Supreme the whole time. At the end of the day, it has to go to somebody else. Yes, and you have oh to. You God. have to give that. You have to give that energy and your experiences. You have to pass it to the next generation because how are they gonna make it? And you cycle through. Mm-hmm. It's we're all cycling through. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely love that. Um, Craigie, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram. My name is Craigie Weggy. Craigie was actually, that was actually a nickname that I had in elementary school and pre-K. The kids used to call me Craigie Weggy, but my mother used to call me Craigie. So that's why when they heard that, they were like, Craigie Weggy. <laughs> so yes, it's Craigie Weggy, Craig, and two G's. Y Weggy W E G G Y. I love that. Um, yeah, friends, and you know, Craig, I think you're also just an incredible resource. So I'm sure that if any any of what you said resonated with any listeners, you'd be super happy to connect with them as well. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, thank you so 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 much for coming on the show. I just I feel for really lucky me. to know you. No, I feel blessed to know you and lucky to know you as well. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out our website, humanexperiencepodcast.com. Heads up, the A in human is an X. If you would like to connect with me directly, you can email me, humanexperiencepodcast at gmail.com. Again, the A in human is an X. Feel free to share any thoughts, comments, or if you would like to be on the show, I would love to hear from you. Until next time, folks.